I'm here today with our good friend, Jennifer Grant. Jennifer is the award-winning author of Picture Books for Children and Books for Adults. Her adult books include When Did Everybody Else Get So Old? And her new book, Dimming the Day, Evening Meditations for Quiet Wonder, that we're going to talk more about today. Her books for children include Maybe God is Like That Too, Maybe I Can Love My Neighbor Too, and her latest, which is entitled Once Upon a Time Not So Long Ago. Jen's work has appeared in Women's Day, Chicago Parent, Pathios, and Hermeneutics, and she's a founding member of Inc., I-N-K, a creative collective. Jen holds a master's degree in English literature with con concentrations in creative writing and critical theory from Southern Methodist University in Dallas. She recently joined the board of Gender Nation, an organization she loves. Gender Nation helps communities empower and validate all children by providing public school libraries with LGBTQ affirming literature. A lifelong Episcopalian and mother of four, she lives in Chicago. Jen and I have partnered on many different projects. She's spoken at several Writing for Your Life conferences and is the curator of the Faith and Food section of the Compassionate Christianity website. And she will be one of our featured speakers next week at our online Christian Children's Book Conference. So Jennifer, it's a wonderful pleasure again to have you uh, here. Well, thank you. Thanks. It's always fun to talk together. Yes, yes. I love, you know, catching up with you. And you've been so productive from a book perspective here recently that, uh, you know, it's just really exciting to see these wonderful books just keep coming out. Well, thank you. So before we get into the new one, tell us about some of the previous ones. Um, which one would you like to talk about? Ones. I'd like to hear more about, you know, several <laughs> so, uh, which ones would you like to talk about? Um, let's see. Well, I think the um, I keep hearing from people who are who are experiencing and, and walking through grief with their children and their families in this time for obvious reasons. There's been so much loss and and death, and so um, the picture book that came out last year, A Little Blue Bottle. Yes, I have had more conversations about that book than some of my other ones recently. Um, it's a book that is. I hope a very gentle kind of handling of death and um, and suggests that the underlying theme is that God is with us when we're when we're grieving um, but it's about a little girl who's a really close friend and neighbor an elderly woman dies and the little girl is really grieving this loss and talking with her mom about it and then the mom suggests that um, they kind of reflect on this this verse that um, God collects our tears in a bottle, and that's the little blue bottle um, that's referenced in the title. And so, yeah, I've, even earlier today, I, I heard from a reader who whose pet had died, and they, with their um, children, had read that book and found comfort in it. So, um, yeah, so that's one. And then we talked recently about Once Upon a Time Not So Long Ago, this one. Um, we talked only, what, a month or two ago about that. So there's another interview with you about that one. So. Yes. Yes. I mean, another just excellent book. I mean, tell people what that one's about. Um, Once upon a time, not so long ago is about the pandemic and how it continues really to shape us and to shape our priorities, our experience of connection and family and, and each other. And, um, it's about, yeah, it's about how, it's again about loss. I, I was kind of reflecting that the last two picture books that I've had um, published are really about grief and loss. And um, But I hope also have an underlying 
idea that there is also a reason to hope and there's also a reason um, to look at the beautiful things and the graces in our lives. And um, so, yeah, so this one kind of, I tried to kind of give the story of the pandemic breaking out all over the world. So there's different cultures represented, there's different um, religions and different, you know, it's a very inclusive book in that it shows that um, I didn't make this sort of like the pandemic happened to Americans. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, I'm happy about this one. And it, one thing that I was, I think I mentioned to you when we spoke about it initially is that the publisher put these kind of journal pages at the end of the book and, and invites the readers to kind of remember what they most have lost during this time or what they have gained during this time. And I was a little resistant to that because I, I don't know, I just didn't like the idea of people like picking up a library book and finding it all scribbled in. But that's something that so many people now have said to me is meaningful, is that they're sitting with their kids and writing down their ch children's perspectives. So then in five or 10 or 20 years, that, that person will remember something specific about what this time was like for them. So I'm glad that the publisher overruled my um, <laughs> my desire not to have those those journal pages. Well, I'm really glad that you wrote those two books, uh, the, you know, Blue Bottle and Once Upon a Time. They're so needed right now. And, mm, thank um, you. you know, whatever we can do to help children yeah. deal with this crazy world that we have, um, it's really, really important. So thank you so much mm -hmm. for that. Mm hmm so let's get to the new book. As I mentioned, mm -hmm. the title of it is Dimming the Day, Evening Meditations for Quiet Wonder. What motivated you to write that book? Yeah, I actually started working on this a few years ago. I wrote a proposal, you know, I was sketching out a proposal um, maybe two and a half years ago um, after having read, and I write about this a little bit in the introduction, but I had read about uh, the fact that there are people called awe researchers, A-W-E, and um, they uh, have established through a lot of different studies that when we experience awe, particularly in nature or outdoors, um, it, our, our depression, anxiety, um, these things can be truly addressed. So, um, and in the, in the book, I talk about the fact that when I, when I mention anxiety in the book, I'm really talking about normal anxiety, like um, the kind of anxiety that if you get better sleep and exercise and meditate, you can feel better, as opposed to clinical anxiety, which a person would need, you know, medication and, and professional help and so on. So, um, so I kind of make the point in this that this isn't, uh, this isn't uh, instead of getting like medical help for, <laughs> for clinical anxiety, it's really about the sort of low-level normal anxiety that so many of us experience right now. Um, when our worries keep us awake in the middle of the night, when we're feeling concerned about the state of the world, as I know you are concerned, but you're doing, you know, good things to sort of address it. But anyway, so doing the day is when I first was conceiving it, I thought I'll, I'll find a list of things that I find awe-inspiring and do research into them and to the real science of them and then write reflections on those for people so they can, instead of at the end of the day, be kind of worried and tossing and turning and checking their phone and their news feeds. They could, like I love to do, read about something in nature and just feel 
that that beautiful, peaceful feeling that there's something bigger than us, you know, and there's something that will last after us. You know, the the, the moon will be there, when, and it has been there uh, without us. And so, in a way, the book is about being very small and insignificant, and yet um, celebrating the fact that we are here and that we can enjoy these things in nature, and we can um, engage in a in a way that will, I hope bring some calm and address anxiety. So uh, as part of the book then talking about going outdoors and you and, and enjoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Well, and I think, you know, and I wrote this during, you know, so I wrote the proposal a couple of years ago and then I sort of shelved it. Uh, I was working on other things and then, um, it was funny, my last like big speaking engagement before everything shut down, I I had a speaking engagement to a large group of women who had a book club with their denomination. It was like a, I think maybe a Lutheran denominational uh, book club. And in the context of that, I read a chapter that um, was in a, like a sample chapter I was working on for the proposal for this book. And after the um, engagement, and this was at the end of February in 2020, all these people came up to me and they were buying my other books, but they kept saying, I want, I want to buy that one that you read from today. And I thought, well, it's only a proposal at the moment. So I actually. <laughs> well, that's uh, good to hear though. Yeah, and, you know, yeah no, it was. Free demand for. Exactly. So I, so I sort of immediately, you know, went home and polished up that proposal and sent it to my agent and then um, Broadleaf Books uh, bought it. And I started writing it right at the end of March in 2020. So it turned out to be a slightly different book than what I what I had originally conceived because I do reflect specifically on the fact that, you know, we're really living in a time of anxiety. And I kind of, I note in it um, a few different places about how the pandemic really did change people's relationships with nature. You know, so many more people were at home, had more time to go outside, stare at the clouds, watch the birds outside their windows, um, plant gardens, go to the, you know, Humane Society and adopt a pet. You know, so many different ways that um, the suffering and the kind of loss and the kind of isolation of the pandemic has resulted in people connecting in new ways with nature. So yes, each chapter has to do with something in nature and kind of reflecting on how we can engage with it. It's interesting just for me to reflect back on my own experience through the pandemic with my wife that, you know, we ended up adopting a rescue dog during Mm -hmm. the pandemic because my wife quit working. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that made that easier to do. And uh, we certainly were trying to take advantage of as many easy hiking trails all over the place that we could, you know, around reservoirs and different parks Mm -hmm. and things like that. You know, just uh, they really heightened our need to be outdoors and and with nature. So I can really Mm -hmm. see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it did. I think so many people, um, you know, if you just skim through the news or skim through you know, your favorite magazine or whatever, there's been so many essays and editorials about our kind of renewed sense of uh, connection with nature, which I think is great. I mean, that's that would be a great outcome after this really difficult time. So um, there have certainly been plenty of books written on meditations and reflections, and there's certainly been plenty of books written about, you know, communing with nature, so to speak. 
how does your book differ from other books that have been out there? Yeah, well, I think it is really a different book, and it's funny. Um, you know, if you if you look at it, there's a lot of there are a lot of endorsements at the beginning of the book, and the re, you know normally an editor will say you know reach out to a handful of people, and we're trying to get a couple of endorsements. And I actually send it to a lot of people. Most of these people I don't know, but um, I did that because I thought the book was different. And I thought, I wonder if people are going to find it too quirky that they, they won't want to offer an endorsement. So I um, sent it to a lot of people, but happily I received a lot of really nice words about it. But um, the way I think the way it's different is that each chapter, in addition to having some scientific information on whatever the topic is in nature, um, I also tried to bring in uh, other voices. So in a way, I sort of, it's a book that has a lot of curated content. So it's got, um, you know, reflections that, there's one chapter where I, where I write about visiting a volcano in Guatemala. And I found this, um, this reflection by a naturalist from hundreds of years ago who went to the same place. And um, so I put his reflections on what it's like to be in this huge, you know, in, you know, walking on this sort of lava field. Um, and I kind of wanted, yeah, I wanted to bring in other voices and I wanted to introduce writers that mean something to me. And so each chapter has my own words, you know, uh, my own kind of you know, crystallization of the research I did about whatever the topic is, then there's some personal connection. But then I always bring in another writer, either a poet or a naturalist or um, a novelist, um, just to kind of give another layer of perspective on whatever the topic is. And then each chapter also ends with a literal meditation where um, I really tried to go through kind of the greatest hits of meditation, like body scan and breathing meditations and so on. Um, and so where relevant to the content, I, I have these specific directives for people. So if they're lying in bed, you know, I, I have kind of instructions on how they can meditate and kind of end the day in this quiet way. Again, in hopes that it will help people to relax and find calm and sort of set aside their anxiety for the day and have a good sleep. So the whole idea is to help people sleep. Um, <laughs> but with those, thing. yeah, and with those meditations, I did, I have a very good friend who is a yogi. Um, she lives in LA and we've been writing partners and friends for a really long, you know, for decades. And because she has led people through so many different um, yoga meditations, mm. I had, I hired her to actually really closely rake through all the directives at the end of each chapter because mm. I didn't want to be adding, I don't want to activate, you know, restlessness or anxiety in people. I wanted to do the opposite. So um, she had some great, you know, sort of tweaks of saying, no, with this one, let's start with the head and work down to the toe or, you know, mm. or take, let's have them take four deep breaths here, you know, and, and so on. And so that, um, that part I think was an important component. So yeah, the chap the chapters are all they all sort of follow the same. Most of them follow the same structure of introducing the topic, bringing in another voice about it, and then having kind of a, a specific, very practical reflection that each person can do at the end. So very cool. That's a great organizational structure. I mean, it sounds very unique and interesting. Thank you. <laughs> and how many chapters are there? 
So there's 20 chapters, and um, and the topics are things like, well, it starts, it's, it's, it's in so, so many ways a book about looking and about observing. So I started with a chapter on the human eye, and then there's other topics like dandelions, humpback whales, mangrove forests, hummingbirds, um, a place, St. Paul's rocks, um, honey, and, and on and on, murmurations, redwoods, clouds, and so on. And so there's 20, 20 chapters, and each one kind of digs into those, those topics. Interesting. So this is kind of a real tangent, but have you ever thought of writing a book like that associated with different cocktails? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but that's a fun idea. As, as you mentioned, these different topics that are chapters of the books, I was thinking to myself, you know, you could write one on a gin martini or one on, <laughs> you know, a Long Island iced tea. Or, you know, I just had this um, interesting drink called Autumn Haze yesterday. Huh. So anyway, yeah. oh, that's food a for good thought. Uh, that's very fun. I like, I like a book. I gave to a friend a couple years ago at Christmas a, a book that had um, stories about cocktails, like it had, you know, it would name one, tell how to make it, and then either show where it was used, like F. Scott Fitzgerald discussed this in this book. Yes. Or, um, yeah. That's that sounds fun. fun. Well, anyway, we're always full <laughs> of new book ideas, aren't we? Uh, mm -hmm. You've mm -hmm. got a long list, or I'm sure longer than, than mine, so that, that's a good oh, thing. That's a fun idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, what would be like the one thing you'd love people to take away from this book? Um, I guess, um, I guess the one thing that I would love is for all of us to, to maintain this new posture that we have uh, toward nature, which is, I think many of us are spending more time. And I actually referenced that in Once Upon a Time not so long ago. Um, there's a spread that is something like people looked up at the sky more, you know, I hope we'll hang on to that because I think that, um, slowing down and noticing the beauty that's around us can really be a balm. And, and I think, you know, one of the things so many of us have said um, after this, this time and during this time is that we were forced to slow down and sort of go into slow motion. And, and, and the result of that for many of us was to sort of look at trees and leaves and, and connect. And so I hope I hope this book will encourage that. I hope this time will encourage that. And, and that more broadly, that this new appreciation and this new slowed down noticing of the natural world will help us be more committed to caring for it. And, and this book sort of follows an arc that way in that I sort of start the book saying, you know, we can find calm individually and we can find rest when we engage with nature. And then it kind of moves into corporate and we start talking about how we can wish well for others and how we can engage with others. And then at the end of the book, the last chapter is about the moon. And I'm, I kind of encourage everyone to think kind of a, a loving kindness meditation for the earth. And so, um, so yeah, I, I mean, it would be great if, if people read this and felt, you know, their commitment to the, to earth care, under you know underscored that would be wonderful yes yes totally agree um so you know i know as i mentioned earlier you're very productive and i know you're doing things beyond just your own books um so 
and, and I know there are projects you probably can't talk about, which is perfectly <laughs> fine, but as, uh, what's on the horizon? Can you say anything about, you know, the other work that yeah. you do outside of your own books and then also sure. what you can say about any future books? You bet. Well, I just finished, um, and it's, it's in copy edits right now, a book for church publishing um, that our friend Milton uh, Brasher Cunningham asked me to jump into. And this book is a book about prayer for children. And um, the, the way I kind of structured that, it was very open-ended, like a book of, about prayer for children, like seven to 10 years old. And so um, I kind of looked at what was out there and again, really wanted it to be different and to be fresh and also appropriate for kids now. So, um, so the book, each chapter is named for a verb, you know, so there's touch, taste, spin, write, create, um, cry, question, see, and, and each, each chapter, again, I did follow also kind of a template of um, each chapter starts with a description of whatever that verb is or some way to connect with that word like touch. Um, I started with a description of how our fingertips have so many nerve recept you know, receptors and how we touch. And then I went into a, each one also then kind of goes into a Bible story. And I told the story in that chapter about um, how when Jesus was teaching and uh, people brought the woman who was caught in adultery um, to him and said, you know, can we kill her? Basically, I softened it for the book because it is for children. Um, and and Jesus kind of crouches down and he just kind of draws in the in the dust um, with his fingers. And um, and so that uh, that Bible story is about touch and how touch can be a prayer. And maybe he was maybe he was writing a prayer. Maybe he was writing the word love. Maybe he was writing her name. Maybe he was writing, you know the names of the people with whom these particular men had had affairs, <laughs> who knows? But, um, but th that one, each one ends with a prayer. So it's a more specifically very Christian book about um, different ways that kids can pray. And I was trying to kind of make sure that it included kids who were verbal, kids who are not so verbal, mm -hmm. kids who like wow. to move. And so that comes out in March of 2022. Very and I'm excited cool. about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I've got yeah. one grandchild in that age range and several more on their way. So uh, <laughs> I'll be great. great for them. Yeah. And that book, um, again, is with church publishing as well. And actually what's so great is there's little, very simple line drawings, really beautiful drawings throughout the book. And those were also done by Jillian Whiting, who did hmm. A Little Blue Bottle and Once Upon a Time Not nice. So Long Ago. So nice. I love collaborating with her. So that comes out then. And then I have a book deadline. I'm writing now a book for Beaming Books. And it's it's not exactly, but I mean, the, the quickest way to describe it is it's kind of like doing this, but for kids. But it's wow. not about, it's not nighttime reflections, but it's reflections on nature and finding calm in nature. And that one is not a Christian book, so it's really more, it's for a general audience, but it's about, you know, going out and, and seeing what we can learn from a tree or from a bird or from the way they behave or, and also engaging with them. So I'm, I feel really passionate right now about earth care and, and about, um, and about finding ways to help people, um, engage and enjoy nature and find wonder and awe in it. So that book is due in February and I'm hard at work at that at the moment. 
Nice, nice. And for people who don't know, I mean, you also do freelance editing. You do mm -hmm. editing for other publications. So mm -hmm. you're very busy at all of that. <laughs> very productive. Well, I like to, I like to, I like to work. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> so before I let you go, um, can you tell us a little bit about Gender Nation that I mentioned at the very beginning of the talk? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Gender Nation is an organization that a very close friend of mine co-founded a few years ago. And uh, it was born of the, the knowledge that um, stories can be such beautiful mirrors for people and such beautiful windows. And that's something that my friend Keiko Feldman, who helped to found this, um, says a lot, that books can be mirrors and windows. And so um, a kid, you know, who is in a public school and goes to the library and there's no, um, there, there are no books that reflect or mirror their experience um, can really end up with a distorted view of themselves. And, you know, as you know, LGBTQ kids have higher rates of depression and um, they take their lives more often than other children. And um, as a children's book writer and as a mom and as a Christian, I really want all kids to flourish and I want all kids to be celebrated. And so um, Gender Nation started really small in a particular area of California and in the L.A. area and has grown throughout the state and now is growing into a nationwide organization. But basically, um, we curate lists of books that are affirming and not necessarily um, overtly about being uh, an LGBTQ kid, but about difference and about, some of them of course are, but some of them are just stories about difference or, or things that embrace an idea that um, it's okay to be different and it's okay to be yourself and, and it's not only okay, it's wonderful. So um, anyway, they, we have uh, bought books, delivered them to public schools in California, are moving into a more nationwide um, effort. And again and again and again, school librarians are talking about how delighted they are and how, uh, what a relief it is to have really healthy and positive books to share with kids who are looking for them. And so, um, and I think it will help not only kids who um, do identify as LGBTQ, but it'll help kids who just are their friends to understand and to accept and celebrate difference. So I hope it'll be, and I know it has already made it a wonderful um, effect in a very particular part of the country, but I, I look forward to seeing it kind of spread across the country as well. Very cool. And so people Google Gender Nation, I assume they'll find their website. Yeah, gendernation.org is the, okay. is the um, website. And I was excited to learn pretty recently that um, they are listing there's some books from Beaming Books that are being included. Um, I'm not sure if they'll be in the, if it's a specifically Christian book, it can't be put into a public school library. But we're also working on curating a list, much like what you've done, but very more specifically about these issues, for them to put on their website of Christian and, or other religious books that are affirming. Excellent. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great organization, and I hope that, you know, Culture is changing, and kids need to be, um, I don't know, they need to, they need to be able to, to learn in their public school libraries. And, and, and it is a mandate that school libraries really speak to the diverse makeup of, of their populations. 
And obviously, uh, you know, this falls into that. So. Good, good, good. And back to your work. Um, let people know what your website address is. Oh, my website is jennifergrant.com. And on Instagram, my, uh, my page is Jennifer Grant Writer. So. And Twitter, I think, is Jennifer C. Grant. Is that that's right. right. Yep. Good. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a common name. So you're really fortunate to have jennifergrant.com. <laughs> I know. I, I got it early enough, I guess. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It is such a common name. I, I mean, I routinely get email for all all manner of Jennifer Grants from <laughs> TV stars to podiatrists to college uh, you know, professors. I get kids telling me why their paper is late. And I, I get there's a realtor, Jennifer Grant, and I get people saying they want to see a certain house. So I, I get... Um, <laughs> I've actually, I sort of collect them. I would love to write something about it sometime because it's so funny. Well, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Well, Jen, thanks again for all your work. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you're so caring and so thoughtful uh, with all these different things that you do. So I really appreciate your work greatly. Oh, thank you. Thank you.